Welcome, 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 everybody. This is Islam for Christians, episode 54, Quran, Surah 103, Al-Asr, The Declining Day. By the declining day, lo, man is in a state of loss, save those who believe and do good works, and exhort one another to truth, and exhort one another to endurance. That's the Marmaduke Pickthal translation, and now the Arabic, as recited by Saad al Ghamdi. The most common English title given to this surah is The Declining Day. And by declining day, the translators don't mean that it's a day that just gets worse and worse and worse. As in, I had a terrible day that went from bad to worse. They mean that a day is literally ending. As in, it's past noon and soon the light will be gone. The Arabic word is al-asr, verb root ein sad ra, from a verb that means to wring or to squeeze something out. So ironically, or perhaps poetically, this word is being used in a surah about making the most of the time that you have left, wringing all you can out of life. If you've ever seen Dead Poet Society, this is squeezing the marrow out of life or sucking the marrow out of life. I don't remember what it was, but it was carpe diem, Latin for seize the day. But all of that is really only there if you really, really look back to the roots of the word. Because on the surface, the version the Quran uses, al-Asr, it's in the title and the only main word in the first line. Al-Asr translates as an age or an era or some kind of unit of time, usually a historic unit of time, like the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, you know, something like that. You know, the Bronze Age would be an Asr. Pretty much anything that can be put on a historical timeline would be described with this word. But that's not in the English translation, now is it? You just don't see that. And that's because there's another common translation here. Al-Asr also means afternoon. It's actually the name given to one of the five daily prayers. That's where you get declining day. The afternoon is when the sun begins to decline. But you'll see other translations for this versatile word that gives the story its title. Um, translations like time through the ages the flight of time, the span of time, or even, much more simply, just the afternoon. You can see the poetic versatility here. It's about passing time, and it's about the passing day. It's about the inevitable passage of time, and a passage that humans really have no control over. And to add an even more mystical element to this, al-Asr also means the passage of time in a quantifiable way. A quantifiable means, you know, a time that can be counted or estimated. 
you know, something you can attach a number to, like three hours and 12 minutes until sunset. But there's also another Arabic word for time, al-dar. And this is the time that cannot be quantified, that cannot be counted or estimated. Now, from a human perspective, al-dar is how we see our lives. We don't know how long our lives will be or when the end will come. And yet, when talking about humans, the Quran uses the more definite, measurable al-asr. Why is this? Well, if you're looking from God's perspective, a human life is al-asr, because God knows when your life is going to end. It is measurable, at least to him. And from a human perspective also, human life is al-asr from a certain point of view too. You know, we don't know when it will end, and we can't count or estimate it. So we see our lives as al-dar, but really, even if you don't know when your life will end, you do know that it eventually will end. You know that much. So in that way, it actually is al-Asr as well, just because it is not infinite. So in a weird way, that is quantifiable, because you know it's going to have a number. And you can have a pretty good timeline of where it will be, unless you die early. And it's that measurement, the knowledge that your time is finite, that is the theme of this surah. The day is declining. So what will you do with the remaining sunlight? The time is running out. And that is why man is in a state of loss, as stated in the second line. Just as the sun is disappearing, so is the life force of every person, of me, of you, of everyone. Now, in the modern world, this metaphor is often lost on people. Mainly because the mystery of the sun doesn't exist anymore. Not only do we know that the sun doesn't really rise and fall, it's an illusion. It never really actually disappears. It's always there. We just can't see it. You know, we also know, at least we think we know through science, that it's going to be around for billions of years after we're dead. And we know the earth is always going to spin back, you know, so we will see the sun again. So perhaps in some ways, this metaphor is not for us. But for the ancients, this was a much more powerful image. Before Muhammad's time, there was occasional speculation that the earth was spinning. You know, there were a few Greeks and an occasional Indian and likely some Chinese observers. But it wasn't generally accepted knowledge that the Earth actually rotated. Um, you know, certainly not in Arabia at this time. The odds are very good the ancient Arabs saw the sun as moving, not the Earth as spinning. And in fairness to them, that's a super, super easy to mistake to make. It doesn't, it doesn't make them dumb. You know, they weren't dumb. They were just seeing what was in front of them. And they didn't have the software, so to speak, that we do you know, the, the millennia of knowledge. You know, after all, the, dis the earth didn't disappear at night. The sun did. It's a real easy mistake to make. You know, we know the sun disappears because the earth turns away from it. But for the ancients, it could seem as if the sun died and came back to life every day. And every time the sun disappeared, it became cold and dark 
and dangerous. The world did, not the sun. The world seemed cold and dark and dangerous and generally unpleasant if you weren't sleeping comfortably in a warm and safe place. And there was also not really much artificial lighting either. But eventually, you hoped as an ancient, this amazing force would return to the earth. And logically, for something that huge, surely it took a divine power to make sure that it continued to rise each day. And this is the idea that the Quran is using here, only with a slight twist, because this is exactly what the Islamic God does with humans. Yes, he does this with the sun, and you know, at least as it was probably understood by the people at the time, but with people too, because God can continue to make us rise again, not just the sun. God can make people rise again, and for eternity. And that brings us to line three here, which is the solution for man being in a state of loss. What's the answer to man being in a state of loss? Allah is the answer. Just as Allah brings back the sun every day, marked by the day's first prayer at sunrise, by the way, you know, God will do the same for those who believe in him and do good works and encourage others to do the same. And that's another interesting aspect of this very short surah. The solution isn't just to do good deeds. It's also to encourage others to do good deeds. In Christian language, this would be something like, be a tree that bears good fruit. And there's a community aspect to this surah, being your brother's keeper. And in order to evangelize as well, to share your faith and your life under, under God. And this is just like Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So according to this Sura, this is how one escapes death, how one counters the inevitable decline of human life. Without God, and in a completely secular worldview, everything is just recycled into something else. How will it feel to be dead? It will feel the same way as before you were born. You came from nothing. You go back to nothing. You're just recycled atoms over and over and over again. And what have you lost in this process? Well, nothing. But you've also gained nothing for all your efforts. But through God, and only through God, humans can actually profit from life. They can gain something for all the effort and toil of being alive. And the role of God here just cannot be emphasized enough. Just like with Christian salvation, this isn't something humans can achieve on their own. There is no mortal path to immortality. Just as God created the sun and the earth and the people, God created time as well. And all of God's creations are subject to the decay of time, even the sun and the earth, radioactive particles, everything. Time is God's most powerful force. 
it eventually destroys everything. Or, from another perspective, it renews and recycles everything. The Earth reclaims all things eventually, except for anything shot into space, I suppose. But, you know, those will be reclaimed by the universe, so kind of the same thing. Now, just think of the most the tallest, most spectacular buildings that you can think of. Doesn't matter. They will go back where they came from. No demolition required. Time will do it. And the universe will eventually reclaim all that is in it, just like God does. So if the earth is not permanent and the sun is not permanent, what chance for permanence does any human endeavor have? This is the state of loss the Quran is talking about. You lose because you can't beat time. Time always wins. Just imagine a hypothetical race between a man and time. It doesn't matter how fast or physically fit that person is. A person will eventually have to stop. Time does not stop, however. So it always wins. And only God can take you out of time. And through his religions and prophets and books, he is telling you how he is going to do it. But this surah also stresses that this is a limited time offer for everyone. And this went double for the early Islamic community as well. You know, this is an early Meccan surah, but even in the early days, it should have been known that Muhammad wouldn't be around forever either. So this almost works at a second level. Humans decline and die, and prophets decline and die. So take advantage of the time you have. And if you're lucky enough to live in the time of a prophet, make the most of that too. But, you know, back to the first level, you know, whatever you are doing right now, think long and hard about what good will come of it. From a spiritual perspective, is this a sound investment? Is it a step toward eternity? Or is it a step toward ultimate demise? And remember, always, that whatever it is, God is greater. Another way to look at this is to see it as a simple math problem. Let's say you want to compare a regular, mortal life, an ever-declining life. You want to compare that to the one being offered by God. So let's do the math here. As a fraction or a division problem, which is basically the same thing. In a basic fraction, you have the numerator, which is the top number, and then the denominator, the bottom number. For example, say that there were 100 people in a room, and you want to express mathematically the ratio of women to people. So you count up the women, that's the numerator, and then the number of people, the denominator to find out, okay, what percentage of these people are women. So you count 50 women out of 100 people. So that fraction is 100. And you can simplify that by dividing each by 50, which gets you 1 over 2. So just to recap, 50 over 100 simplified 1 over 2, which is 1 half, meaning half the people are women. And so on. Now, that's a simple fraction, but you really can do the same thing with time if you want to. 
If you want to compare the importance of your time on Earth as compared to the time God is offering, and again, you know, use that same method there to count the percentage of people that are women, this would be expressed as time on Earth over time with God, or more simply, life over afterlife. So, life is the numerator, and afterlife is the denominator. Now all we need are actual numbers. So, let's be generous with life, and let's make it 100 years. So, 100 is the numerator. Now all we need is a denominator. You know, how are we going to get this uh, fraction to work? The afterlife. We need the denominator. How long is that? Well, it's infinity. It's forever. Okay, so that's 100 over infinity. That's our fraction. Now, if you're still with me, if you're following at home, just go ahead and put that into a calculator. Now, what happened? What's 100 divided by infinity? Well, nothing, I'm sure. And for one thing, there is no infinity button. I've never seen one. And even if there was, you can't divide by infinity. I said, I don't think I can. I don't have a PhD in math or anything, but I'm pretty sure you can't divide by infinity. Now, your calculator can't do that. A computer can't do that. Nor will any machine in the history of the universe be able to do that. Because compared to infinity, what is our time on Earth? Having infinity as a denominator just renders the numerator completely pointless. Almost the inverse of infinity. Something that is infinitely small. Infinitely irrelevant when placed on top of infinity. That irrelevance represents our lives here on Earth. In comparison to what can be gained through a godly life. And given this math, nearly all of our actions are irrational. Yours, mine, everybody. You know, we really are, most of the time, very silly creatures. And that's just something that's really, really hard to wrap your mind around. You know, either the incomprehensibility of your ignoring that fraction, or even just the fraction itself. You know, any believer in Christianity or Islam, you know, religions that have this eternal life promise at the end, it's immediately faced with a fraction that does not exist. A cosmic math problem that is both simple and impossible to comprehend. Because any number divided by infinity equals Allahu Akbar. God is greater. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next time. Inshallah.
Thank you for listening to Islam for Christians. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep this show ad-free, you can also visit my Patreon page and subscribe. I'm at patreon.com slash Islam for Christians. That's patreon.com slash Islam for Christians.